Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionize the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. I'm delighted today to have Jago Brown of Lead 5050 with me on the Scale Her Up podcast. Welcome, Jago. Lovely to have you here. Hi. Hi, Brenda. Thanks for having me. No, it's great. Just to give a little background to the listeners, I met Jago through LinkedIn networking, actually. You were telling me about how you discovered, you'd found your purpose, you'd found your mission. And uh, honestly, if I'd have been in your kitchen when you told me that, I'd have given you a hug. It's fantastic. So would you like to share with the listeners what your mission is? This yeah, purpose you, you, is the term you used, wasn't it? It, it is purpose, yes. Yeah. I think I've been in, in various roles in, in, in business over the years. And nearly 12 years ago, we had our first child, got three, three kids now. I've always been fascinated that about the the reason I'm not called a working dad, but we have the concept of working mums that we talk about a lot. And it dawned on me a while back that it's because men aren't expected to be parents as the same way that women are expected to be parents. And so I just got very interested in that a few years ago. And then in 2019, I took a career break to spend more time at home. With the, with the kids. So I was a stay at home uh, dad. And then that extended because COVID changed everything. So we went into lockdowns whilst I was doing that. And then I then did an extra year because my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer in early, early 2021. And so during that time, I suppose understood a little bit more about the environment that I was in and what, what was happening around me. And so that I suppose is now what gave me a final push to sort of talk about the role that men can play, should play in gender equality and what it can mean for men as well as former women if 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 men speak up and, and, and talk about it more. So as soon as I started talking about it, that's when really it came that my purpose came, I suppose, is that mm-hmm. um, I, I'm very interested in the area around equality in, in home life and, and and how things are shared, the care particularly in the home life and also uh, around the effect on, on business. So, so I've joined a couple of organisations that I think are working towards changes in, in both of those things. So I suppose that's it. That's, that's my purpose now is to be, to talk and be part of a process of change that includes men in the conversation. Fantastic. For anyone that's been listening to the last the last few interviews that I've done on Scale Her Up, they'll see that that's definitely something that I'm trying to focus on because I'm aware that as as women trying to raise awareness of, of the challenges that women are having, we're uh, almost speak, speaking to the converted and your your voice might be heard differently or can get to places that maybe our voices can't. So it's that's really good to really good to hear. So tell me about then what you're doing, the, these organisations that you've got involved in and how, how you're making a difference. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, to talk about uh, Lead 5050, first of all, so Lead 5050 um, is an organization which is basically trying to get 5050 in leadership across all organizations. Now, and what we mean by leadership is anyone in any sort of leadership role. So that doesn't mean that you're in the exec team. It means you could be a line manager. You could have no one reporting to leadership is part of an organization or point. So really, we're looking to create an environment that's 50-50 everywhere. And the reason for that is that we, we think it's, it's, it's best for all companies. It's best for organizations that you have 50-50 because that's the point where, because it makes sense to everyone that diversity of thought leads you to make better decisions. The more people with diverse views and lived experience give you more understanding of your customers, more understanding of your of your employees and your suppliers and every, every that whole ecosystem of organizations, you understand better if you've got that diversity around you. So, so we think it's best for organizations. We think it's best for people. We think it's best for, for families. There are obviously, so if you look at the, start with the core stats, 50% of the workforce globally is, is women, uh, 30% of management, 20% of boards, 5% of CEOs. So you can see that you've got 54% of university leavers are, are, are women, and you can, you can see a steady drop-off of women in the workplace. So our start point is that we, we want to aid organisations to, to create that diversity that so many of them are looking for, they're seeking it and don't know exactly how to achieve it. So, so we, we have an awards, which was originally the Women in Education Awards, now the Lead 5050 Awards. So uh, nominations still to be in for that. So go to our web, website, lead5050.com to nominate someone. The, that's happening in October in Berlin this year. And then we work with various people on coaching and training, uh, mentoring programs. But actually our standout thing now is the accreditation that we've just launched. So what we provide is a, an accreditation that businesses, organizations bring us in we do data capture. We capture data from policies and processes and how they're implemented, capture the hard data, the numbers. Uh, and then we survey all of your employees as well to, and we try and collect that data, put it together and, and come up with a, with a list of recommendations and, and, and interventions that we can help businesses to solve the problems. We think loads of businesses are really trying to create it, but it's hard because it's really it's really nuanced, you know. So, for example, everyone's got a flexible working policy. And we, we unfortunately talk a little bit too much that flexible working has become for women and for, for mums. And actually, only only 25% of managers get trained on how to implement a flexing work, flexible working policy. So, so currently, men are five times less likely to get a flexible working request agreed, which means it's predominantly women that work flexibly. And if that flexibility is not being as visible and present and in the office and in a physical environment as much as the men, then that will affect women as much as it affects men who, who want to work flexibly, who want to be more part of the family life and can't, can't get the flexibility because, because we haven't talked to managers, line managers enough about how to implement it. Fascinating. And from my previous experience in in as an employee within a within an organization i i totally saw that 
mm-hmm. the, yeah, the, the, the women were the ones doing the flexible working and therefore not present in the office for the same number of hours and then overlooked for various things because they're not there. Yeah. I think that is what we hear. And I think when we talk to both women and men, that is a common, that is a common issue that women, because you're not, you're not present as much. And most people don't realize that that is part of the process that goes through your unconscious mind when you're, you know, looking for the next person to move into a, into a role to be promoted or, or, or for other opportunities, even for just projects work around, around the company that is meaningful projects. You unconsciously tend to, to go for the people who you've been around the most. And that, yeah. that's the unfortunate thing. And we talk to loads of men who want to work flexibly and, and they can't, they, they're not being given the opportunity to, and if they aren't, then their partner can't. And so, so we just, this is what we're trying to do is, put the data in front of people with the interventions so that we understand exactly what's going on in your business because we've collected the data. We're able to tell you all, you know, we survey and speak to, to, to load, there's loads of great research going on all over the, all over the place and lots to, that we can pull on. So that's what we do really. We, we get all the data and we, we attach it to the research and we find out the, the best thing for you to do in your particular situation. So if you've got a flexible working policy, you, you probably need to train people. You probably need to support those people. You might need a network to help managers to decide. And then you'll need to collect the data to make sure that you're, you've got, you're giving men as often flexible working as, as you are to, to women. So is there, when you do, you do the research within the organisation, are there a number of interventions that come up all, time and time again? What are the, what are the main changes that, businesses could implement that would help them move towards this? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So it's still the main things like, so recruitment is a big one, right? So often we hear typical conversation is we talk to HR, we talk to CEOs and they say, we, we really want to solve this. We want diversity. We're not getting enough people through the door. So there's lots of changes you can make to recruitment policies. Now that goes right through from from how you how you describe things in your job description. So there's great research from I think Zurich did uh, a piece where they put six words on all of their on all of their job applications. They just put flexible working, part time, job share, and it increased applications by a good amount, twenty to thirty mm-hmm. percent more applications for women, more applications for men because men want to work flexibly as well right through to how you create that and look for the language that might be in it that might that might be appealing to men more than it is to women therefore you'll get more men applying so what we do there is try and take away this the concept that there aren't enough women in the pipeline coming forward the process of recruitment we also see as is as um as an area for as an opportunity for improving just who's on the panel, how the decisions are made. Could be as simple as putting someone on a panel who's only looking for, whose role is to look for where there could be a bias in the language or the way that the decision has been made. So so you've got someone specifically looking for that that implementation. Now that's interesting that they're actually looking at the behaviour of the interviewees rather than, of the interviewers rather than the interviewee. Absolutely. And I think... If you put that in place, for example, this is, I think it's good research to say, even when it comes down to the criteria, you might have 10 criteria you've got for the role. You might be 
unconsciously weighting one of those criteria is much mm-hmm. more important as the other criteria. And if you don't go through that process and don't have someone looking out for that, then you might appoint somebody based on that one criteria much more than you would take the others into account. Yeah. So it's really important to, if you have someone on that process, that person can say, well, let, let's rate these criteria now. There's nothing wrong with having that one criteria being more important than another. You've just got to weight it early on and then make sure you're not, nothing is being uh, discriminatory in the in the yeah. in that process and so little little things joined together make a big difference and i think companies that are genuinely curious genuinely want to solve solve the problem of getting diversity in are, are really open to these to these very small changes that you can make um i'm just thinking about retention then what about retaining you know so you can you can Higher and be aware of the the gender balance that you're looking for, or that not even gender, all kinds of diversity. Yes, um, but then the retention of those of those people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so big big area there. <laughs> um, so a little bit more nuance there because a lot of it is unconscious. So when you you see a you see a pattern of of a lack of diversity as you go through work levels, if you like. Now whether it be hierarchical or not. Pay levels often aren't always hierarchical, but pay levels are important. So when you're looking at your gender pay gaps, a lot of this is about about the retention of uh, retention of people and whether they are not only retaining, but whether they're moving up the organisation, moving to jobs where they feel comfortable and are paid more. That will often create gender pay gaps uh, and will be a retention issue. We see patterns um, such as well in in the UK when on average. When a woman has a child, when that child is 10, on average, they'll be earning half what they're earning when they first had the child. The father, if it's a heterosexual relationship, will be earning slightly more on average, basically. So that is a usually a retention issue because what 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 you're what you're seeing is a pattern where women often work part-time. And one of the issues there is if you're if you're retaining women into um uh if you're moving women into leadership roles often you will find that they will then go part-time so often so will then be learning less but will be in that in that leadership role so we work quite hard on on those issues as well and i think as i said it's harder to find specific interventions for that but there are ways if you do it correctly you can you can create networks inside companies that make sure you can have internal process well first of all you you need a separate stated internal process that's different from your hiring process um so that one of the one of the important things that a company do really simply is make sure every internal move is official because if being official means that you go through a process to make sure that it's not there's no um bias in it because mm-hmm. often it's not it's done as well i think that person's the next person for that yeah obviously done They've done the right things and let's move them up. So many of those roles are, so many of internal moves are, are, are done like that. And then a lot of work's been done around how work projects are, are given out. So fundamental of our accreditation is that we don't create much work for the business when we do the accreditation. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a digital process that doesn't take much time. And the reason for that is one of the paradoxes of doing inclusion work is that if it's a gender inclusive project, it often, more than often gets given to females to do. And then those females are less likely to then get promoted because they're working on on inclusion 
projects that aren't see, seen as revenue generating or as as important to the business as other things. So, so how companies, how organizations give those work projects out on a day-to-day basis is incredibly important for progression. And that is incredibly important for retention. And then we go right into a lot of stuff for men. So a lot of men looking for flexibility, looking for the ability to take more on at home, do other things and and not getting it. So retention of the right people, of the best people, of teams that are diverse and making good decisions is a lot about that as well. What you what you give to both uh, men and women, how work is uh, is applied. So it's it's I guess it's about getting this right embedded into the culture, the the complete culture throughout the organisation, all levels. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's critical. We see culture as a as one of the strands that we would mm-hmm. present uh, interventions and support in but also obviously culture is an important part of the entire of the entire organization yeah. but it's not enough because you could have a really welcoming engaging culture and you're still you still don't quite know what to do you yeah. still are not moving the dial there's loads of companies doing all sorts of things and they're not managing to move the dial that's not because they haven't got an intention or a want or a need or even a great culture that supports things. It's because it's a complicated, it's a complicated issue, if that makes sense. So, so culture is important, yes, but it, it, you can have a great culture and you, you won't necessarily get it quite right. But you could also have the great processes and the, you know, it's all there that this is what we do and it still won't make enough of a difference because not everybody is on board with it in terms of the culture. So I guess you need both. They need to be married together, don't they? Absolutely. And I think when we're normally doing our work now, it's with companies that are genuinely curious. They want the yes. answers. They know upfront that some of the answers might be uncomfortable and might not be what they expected, but they want them and they want to then make the changes. Because I think it is possible what you've just described there. We could send a we could send a report back with with lots of nuance and lots of interventions and lots of ideas and a company could force it through. Yeah. It's not going to work. It's no. not going to be as good as if a company's everyone is genuinely wanting to change the culture to, so they understand why you're doing it. Uh, otherwise you're making that change process a bit more difficult for yourself. But look, but this is the thing, loads of companies we speak to are desperate to solve this. So, so they are curious and they are interested. Yeah. So, so they're quite comfortable um, with, with some cultural change to support all of the nuances. And I suppose a lot of the issues come from the culture, the, the community that are, you know, how, how we've been brought up and what's going on out, outside of work and, you know, the balance within families. And so it kind of brings us on to the other um, organisation that you're involved with. Absolutely. So, so here, <laughs> and here's the big thing. We speak to companies that are desperate to change, but they can't change society on their own. Yeah. Can they? Society, so- <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. So, so society, you know, these cultural norms and gendered norms and stereotypes and stuff that we, that we're all without knowing it usually really supporting and ingraining can really affect businesses. So that's one of the hardest things for, for the companies we're working with to, to get past really is there's cultural norms around it. So yeah, so I'm involved in a, in a charity called Equality Starts at Home. So that's our, that's our mission really is to understand 
how the work that is distributed around home life affects society, affects the culture of everyone and affects work life as well. Statistically, I think women doing, I think 60 to 66 to 70% of unpaid work in the home, about 80% of the emotional labor, which is obviously the big, the big one that people don't talk about enough is, is unpaid work, uh, maybe being shared more equally in homes, but the emotional labor, the thinking about it, planning, stuff that goes into around creating the home life is at the moment, yeah, 80%, 80% women. And so that's of real interest to us. How do we, how do we bring, so my role is, is to bring men into the conversation because there's, there's lots of men. So there's lots of men that do, that are stay at home. There's lots of men that are carers. There's lots of men that, that do this and don't talk about it very often. So I know that because I've, I've been doing some, I'm trying to pull together a pain at the moment to, to, to get men who did shared parental leave or did career breaks, even when shared parental leave wasn't, wasn't available, to talk about how that's affected them and, and what it's, what it's you know, done for them and their, and their family lives. And, and a lot of the people I speak to don't want to talk publicly about it. So it's an, it's an interesting area. And, a, and a equality starts at home. We are trying to change those stereotypes, trying to get people to talk See, looking for cultural change, and that might mean that we we will look for structural change. So governments can make mm-hmm. can make big differences to this type of thing. So, so the, the take up, for example, of shared parental leave in the UK is one just under two percent, I think. Now that's been in for seven or eight years now. We've had the we had the ability. Now, what companies don't often do is pay uh, men the same or protect their jobs in the same way uh, as they would for maternity leave. So until companies start doing that, it's very difficult because you've got a financial decision going on. But we think it's much more than a financial decision. And if you take Iceland and Sweden, for example, they've put uh, use it or lose it schemes in place for parental leave where you get nine months, but you only get the full nine months if you share it six and three, three and six uh, between both both people. And the take up is 90%. So there's, I don't think there's a fundamental difference between us. Plenty of men want to do this. It's just socially hard, financially not the same decision. So that's so that that's that's one of the things we need to talk about more. How how the sharing of the care work, particularly, but the work at home, can affect all of us and society and and our work lives. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there are lots of the listeners who are. Can resonate with with what you've said there. The, the workplaces, the the family life, the challenges that as employees and as employers that we can we face in trying to make a difference to the to this. And it's not just gender; it's it's lots of other um, diversities as well. Of course, yeah. What do you think the listeners can do? What's your advice to for somebody who wants to see this change? What what do you think we can do as individuals? That is a good question. So we have a number. So so first of all, we have a number of tools that we use. There's something that we have as part of Equality Starts at Home called uh, the Third Shift. If you go to thirdshift, thirdshift.co.uk, there's a household balance calculator there, which is very simple to use, only takes a few minutes. It will start the conversation. So if you think you, if, if you feel that there is more you could do in your home life, to support either your partner or 
you feel like you want to understand it so you can talk about it, then then that's a good place to start to understand because you get a report back on that. And actually it's something you can then there's a second stage you could go through together as a as a as a as a partnership to to work out. Because it may even be that you're both doing 50-50, but you've you've fallen into gendered roles where yeah. you you're doing stuff that that you you actually don't particularly enjoy and you might enjoy doing another part of the roles that are at home. So so there's loads you can get out of it. And then if you feel that you want to talk about this more, then Equality Starts at Home is a good place for that, particularly mm-hmm. particularly looking for men that want to talk about it. And we did a, did a session actually last week for Father's Day, two weeks ago, which was, it was to get men, let's talk about fatherhood, it was called, and it was about isolation and parenting for men because, because we noticed that women tend to create networks around parenting that men don't create. So for men getting into parenting, that there's not as many people around, there's not as much support. So so we want men to to support. So I've actually started uh, a dad's group in the in the area where I live, just south of Glasgow, um, because um, we want to support each other, and women do that really well in social networks, uh, informal networks, and men don't do it so well. So so those are things you can do on on an organisation side. Then I think Lead Fifty Fifty has a lot of tools that you can use so the accreditation is the is the obvious one if you see that you know that your organization is trying and wants to solve the issue you've made a really good point there we've talked a lot about gender this is not just about gender Mm -hmm. the thing we see is gender because of the numbers of people is the easiest one to see first of all so so if you like inequality is a symptom of an organization not not being exactly how is it how it wants to be and gender is the easiest one to see but obviously we we think a lot about the intersectionalities on on other other groups on other other types of diversity so that's a really important point so a lot of our interventions are aimed at many different uh diverse groups because the activity you'll take is the same and it will it creates the same end goal, which is diversity of, of thought and, and lived experience. So going to lead 5050 is a good step. Deciding, looking at, you know, getting people in the business in the in the organization to decide whether the accreditation is for you. So we talk to lots of people on various issues. So there's there's a lot of videos they can see. There's experts that we interview and talk to regularly about various subjects that might just help you if you've got a small organization the larger you are the more likely it is that you'll need to do more things and so the accreditation is probably right right for you or just just to go there and and, and actually there are there are loads of other projects that are similar to 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 say equality starts at home that they could go to there's fatherhood networks there's 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 a whole load of different different things going on and at Equality Starts at Home, we're hoping to start pointing people into, into those other organisations that are also doing great work in a, in a slightly different area, basically. So, so, yeah, I think, but the number one thing, be curious about the answers. Yeah, because, yeah. because that's the main thing, like, like you've pointed out, there's gendered roles, there's stereotypes and there's a social barriers and, and if you're genuinely curious about what the answers might be, then you might you might understand things in a slightly different way. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, if you don't mind, Jago, I'd like to ask you a more get a bit more personal. A lot of the the conversations that I have with women and um, business owners, you know, we, we talk about juggling a lot. 
you know, we're, we're, we're juggling loads of things. We're juggling running a business. We're juggling looking after kids. We're look, juggling, um, you know, running the home and, and everything. And I know I'm aware that you've got a lot going on. You've got a almost full-time job. You've got Lead 50-50, which is something that you're doing on this side. You've got Equality Starts at Home. Yeah. You're involved in the parent council, I believe. I am, yes. You've got three kids yes. and yep. your wife's been through some ill health. How do you manage all of that? What can we learn from how you you manage all the things you're juggling? Yeah, there's stages, isn't there? So we go through different stages. So 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 important to say last year when my wife was was, you know, particularly unwell, having quite major surgery and chemotherapy and radiotherapy and, and it's it, the overall her treatment was about 15 months i don't know because i wasn't i i wasn't doing paid work at that time so mm. i don't so so i'm very thankful to my uh my employers who who basically just said to just just go and take what time you needed so that would have been very difficult so obviously now my my wife's in a, in a able to do much more and she's now back on much more with us in the, in in the family. So obviously we do we split things between us. So where she's able to do most of the stuff with the kids now, it has freed me up to go back to paid work and then doing my you know my my stuff in in all the extra time that I have. We make time for specific things that are important. So even though I'm working most of the day, most of the time, I'm always doing the drop offs and pickups now, pretty much um, because that's something that keeps us both grounded and you know with the with the kids and and there enough we're very organized so we use a lot of systems and processes okay. so we pulled in some systems which i think you know i get questioned on it a lot actually because we use a but for major projects we use a, a project management system um that that i don't think many people use for home life but it helps us to share information because we're both we're both now juggling a lot of the time and rather than having to share and tell each other what's going on if it's on emails if it's on a system you can see what the other person is doing and it's much easier to get a full sense i think i think most businesses wouldn't want to operate like like home lives often operate with nobody telling anyone everything until they write it on a form or a board or something so i try to be active at the moment i am doing quite a lot so i'm not getting as much time out as i as i would like to so that's a tip I give to people that I'm not currently doing. So that doesn't seem quite right, does it? Is <laughs> is to be active as much as you can, get out into you know um, going for walks, doing those types of things. But yeah, right now I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm doing the best job I could do juggling it, which I I'm having to having to look at myself at the moment and, and try and work out. So actually, I'm thinking about how to structure things a little bit better as a as as we move forward and of course we have just gone into the summer holidays today in scotland and i recognize not all your listeners always so often we get i get this with all my colleagues down down south they don't usually realize that our holidays are very different so yeah the kids are now off and we've we've got a load of things for them to do to stay active and and to be involved in things so it gives us enough time to get the stuff around the house done i don't know if i've answered that that particularly well there, Brenda. But. Do you know, I think what you've just described is exactly what the rest of us do. I, I tend to describe it as uh, we're juggling and sometimes the balls are, some of the balls are glass and some of them are rubber. And Absolutely. at different times, the, it, the, the same thing could be glass or rubber. 
you know, and if you drop a rubber ball, it'll bounce. And when it's glass, you got to be really careful you don't drop that. And as long as you're keeping the glass ones in the air and picking up the rubber ones when you're ready, then uh, it works, doesn't it? I, th- I think so. I think, think that is fair. <laughs> so obviously, yeah. So so the glass ones are the kids' welfare, uh, which, yeah. you know, I think is predominantly my wife right now. So that that's great. Whereas, whereas last year, that's why I think because that was that was all me and obviously caring for her as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think work would have, I think I, because I, I remember thinking at the time, this, I, I just couldn't imagine it actually, if you were in a situation where you had to work as well as trying to do this. I know it's slightly different because we had everyone in lockdown, but actually I thought a lot about people that that wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have been as as fortunate as me, had an employer that would say, right, that's fine, just just go. Having yeah. to work, keep that together, having that would have partner, just added another well, added I mean, another glass ball into your into a- your juggling. Absolutely, yeah. because your finances yeah. are, you know, critical. And I think mm-hmm. there were times where it was all me because, you know, it would be weeks where where my wife which she wouldn't have been able to you know to, to to do very much so yeah so i thought a lot about that um and i i like that analogy yes so yeah yeah and it sounds like there's a bit of teamwork as well going on there always you, you can't do it on your own yeah always for us and that, again going back to the very start i couldn't work out why i wasn't a working dad because we've always communicated very well we've always been like this so it didn't make any sense to me that you know, early on, I said, well, well, obviously I'm doing this and obviously I need to work flexibly. So I've worked flexibly pretty much since my daughter was born in, you know, 2010. And I don't know why that wasn't just the norm. And it, it's not the norm. I, I get that now. Well, it's because we were both always sharing and always communicating really well and making sure. And of course, we go through stages where one of us is really busy in professional life. So the other one takes the takes the more on at home and to enable that person to do it and because we both travel for work it's more of a sort of operational thing so you're on ops because you've got everything to do for a week so we've yeah. never had those gendered roles you know the classic like i take the bins out and i do this. we never had those so ingrained in our in our relationship that it is it really is about teamwork fantastic jago i've really enjoyed talking to you today you usually end the interview with the standard question. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. No. Nothing you anything you would like to add? I don't think so, no. Yeah, I've in, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, no, that's it's been great. And um, I'm glad you didn't have anything else that I hadn't covered <laughs> that you wanted to, which means I must be doing my job well as well. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Jago. Really, really great to have you on. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcast. Or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female and men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it, and we're gonna make a massive difference.